Hi, I'm Daryl Cagle, and this is the Cagle Cast, where we're all about political cartoons. And today we have three brilliant editorial cartoonists talking about climate change. Pat Bagley has been the brilliant cartoonist for the Salt Lake Tribune in Utah since 1979. Pat has won a ton of awards, including the Herblock Award, and he's a shining star in our profession. Great to have you here, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Graham Mackay is the brilliant cartoonist for the Hamilton Spectator in Ontario, Canada, and he's won a ton of awards, too. It's great to have you here, Graham. Thanks for having me. Rod Emerson is the brilliant cartoonist for the New Zealand Herald since 2003, and before that he was an Australian cartoonist, and he's won tons of awards too, including two Australian Stanley Awards for Best Editorial Cartoonist of the Year. Great to have you here, Rod. A treat to be here, Daryl. Fantastic. Okay, Pat, you've got two aliens in space coming down looking at our burning world, throwing away their invasion plans because they just want to watch the world burn, and when asked, did you bring the popcorn? It is quite a show seeing the world burn well and we're doing it to ourselves they just got we just have to sit back and watch yes we are here you've got another popcorn cartoon. Popcorn really works in a cartoon. You've got the farmer in his field of corn. He's talking on the phone and says, if it doesn't get any hotter, I think we can save the crop. And all the popcorn pops and he's sitting in a, a sea of popcorn. He says it got hotter. This is a very funny cartoon. This is from 2012. We've had 11 years of getting hotter since then and it really has gotten hotter. Oh, it has. Graham! Yes. Here you got a couple of guys at the docks. The big ship is uh, offloading saplings, and the EU guy says, "Oh, thank goodness you've arrived with your oil and gas. We're so desperate to end our reliance on Russia." And the guy from the ship says, "Oil and gas? We brought you carbon offsets. This is Europe, isn't it?" Oh well, that's a disturbing but yeah, real-sounding cartoon. A bit cheeky. This was during the whole time when they're looking for oil and they're reliant on Russian oil. And it was kind of funny for us in North America to look at the poor Europeans who are kind of like the preachy ones with climate change. And all of a sudden, they're they're desperate for the old fossil fuels. And yeah, let's give them some saplings to show them. Well, fossil fuels are, are a short-term urgency as the, the world burns and all the bad guys are making their money on oil. It's tough to look past the, the short-term problem to the long-term problem. I don't know if that carbon credits is working either, to be honest. It does sound kind of crazy, carbon credits to me. You mean like the cap-and-trade kind of thing where they're like switching yeah. and not a lot of transparency? Yes, well, I... I have serious doubts that the system is actually working. There's been a, a, a thorough investigation by Four Corners in Australia recently into carbon credits training, uh, trading in Papua New Guinea. And they discovered that one area of forest that was part of the trading scheme was actually being forested by the locals. And the whole concept of the trading scheme is for the locals to actually benefit financially from it so they don't actually cut down trees. And here they were in the middle of a um, carbon credits forest with the sound of chainsaws humming in the background. That's crazy. I remember all the complaints the conservatives had about Al Gore flying on the private jets and Al Gore's yeah. answer was, but I buy carbon offsets. And uh, that just is not very satisfying as an explanation. No, it doesn't work, does it? No, but it makes really great ridicule, though, because you see these rich people jet to these COP conferences and things like that. And the, the hypocrisy, even for those of us who really believe that there's a climate crisis, I mean, you think it's the natural stuff for the, the right-wingers. Grav, here's another one from you. You've got the world burning as a s'more, a s'more of apathy and fossil fuel reliance. This is really very funny. There's something about s'more. That's great for a cartoon. The drawing is lovely. That's just amazing. Thank you. I mean, fire is not is a tricky thing to draw, and I, I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, ah, there's something not very convincing about it. But no. I, I guess this cartoon came out um, when there was all kinds of forest fires happening, and it was a, it's a summertime cartoon, so naturally we Canadians, we love to get out to our great outdoors and make these s'mores. And so I guess the time <laughs> it was just perfect in July. You know? Very good. Okay, Rod, I have to read these because we are also a, an audio podcast, but I am not going to... Oh do the accent just out of respect. Um, <laughs> Come on. So, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Would, you like, would, you, would you like me to... to, to how how to about you read this one? Give us a good accent. Okay. So what's happening here is that we've got a, a 
a pretty crowded cartoon and it's budget time. This is the harsh reality of uh, climate crisis, right? All things still have to go forward. So we have the government about to formulate a budget for the next 12 months. I have the Prime Minister of New Zealand, the former Prime Minister, I should say, it was outed in the election a few weeks back, Chris Hipkins, at an ATM in the street. And he's saying more. And beside him is Cyclone Gabriel, who's dressed like a street girl. And she's coughing, look at and looking at her nails. And to his right, we have the mayor of Auckland, who's quite a gruff sort of a guy, takes no prisoners when he talks. And he says, yes, and don't try and shortchange me, mate. And in the, the person standing beside the mayor. This is so complicated with all these is. people that nobody knows. <laughs> but it's you need, crazy. You need, you need to have this because these are all that these are all the aspects of a budget all these things come into play we've also <laughs> got a woman asking about groceries a little help with the groceries because there's been cost of living crisis as has everybody else we've We've had inflation, but we've also had greedflation, where people continue to push prices up unnecessarily just to test the public's tolerance. And then to the far right, I've got a polar bear saying, don't forget about me, climate change. Well, I tell you, in this cartoon, I did recognize the polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a lot of trouble. Yeah, just just in case. Just in here's case a, here's another one of yours that I understood. You've got the couple standing in Auckland, and, and this is quite important because wait, uh, I should say he says, says, "Wow, the first monsoon season, and we were there. The monsoon looks like a giant screaming skull of climate change, and climate change for you in New Zealand means it rains all the time, and it's raining now." to be honest. And what we what happened that brought about this cartoon is we had a horrific weather event at the beginning of this year, and it was a sort of thing that you would expect to see in the tropics. And it absolutely devastated Auckland and surrounding areas, including down on our east coast. And there are photographs that, that need to be seen to be believed with cars buried in up to three or four metres of silt from the rain. We've had two major weather events this year. But on top of that, and this is the real killer, on top of that, we've had two separate weeks of straight sunshine. The rest of it has been, for the rest of the year, has been nothing but rain, drizzle, the odd storm here and there, a bit of hail. It's just been amazing. It's been amazing. Is these these uh, catastrophic uh, monsoon events, are they, have yeah. you ever seen anything like this before in your Never. life? Never. No, not like this. Nothing like this. This is weather you would expect to see in the tropics. Right. And of course, and this year was also our warmest year ever on record. But I'm, I'm, I'm just saying here, it counters kind of the, the ones on the d denier side. Say, oh, we've always had these big storms yeah. and big hurricanes and monsoons. It's, there's nothing new about it. But Do you get a sense that the deniers are kind of going quiet as now in the last couple of years, the climate change is much more obvious? No, <laughs> I think they're louder. Not at all. Not louder. at all. They're getting louder, yeah. Getting louder. I've noticed it in cartoons. I'm I'm not seeing the denial cartoons like I used to from the conservatives. Well, I think are, are finally waking up. You think of the Kyoto Protocol. That goes back to, what, 1992? So there's been enough decades passing that we should be getting used to this already. Here, Pat has the Serve Humankind cookbook with how to cook the poached earth. It is kind of a, a recipe for poaching, isn't it? Uh, with the earth like an egg, with the hot sun yeah. and the flood. There's the old uh, Twilight Zone episode of, again, the aliens coming and they bring this book and we translate it. It says, How to Serve Mankind. And so people are getting on the spaceship to go to the alien's planet. Somebody comes running up and they said, It's a cookbook. <laughs> so here we have liar, liar, pants on fire, uh, Republican elephant saying climate change is a hoax as he's wearing his money shirt. His pants are quite on fire and he's hugging oil and gas, the cute chick picking his pocket. Wonderful cartoon. Well, and this is a kind of a local cartoon as well, because the Utah legislature is in the pocket of oil and gas. And oil and gas brings in about $3 billion to the Utah economy. Meanwhile, recreation, tourism, skiing, all that kind of stuff brings in $13 billion. <laughs> They should be paying attention to where their money is really coming from. But the thing about oil and gas, which I got to say, they know who to bribe. 
I thought this was a very funny cartoon. You don't really see many cartoons about snake-handling crazy Christians, and I think that's great for cartoons. It makes me laugh. So you've got the Pope holding the fragile earth while the crazy climate change denial snake handlers as they don't mind him he's just some lefty kook i i laughed out loud at this one i'm glad you liked it a lot of these right-wing christians in congress are just uh snake handlers <laughs> you've got the the fossil fuels guy with this magnifying glass burning up the earth again it's just it's just about money money is the root of all republicans they don't care if it kills their children's future. They don't, they have to make the money right now. They do. And I love this composition. The composition makes me laugh. It's clever. It's extremely clever um, because really when you draw a cartoon, it tends to start top left-hand corner for reading, top left-hand corner running a line straight down to the bottom right-hand corner where there's usually the signature. I should um, add, this cartoon is basically three circles, top left, middle, and lower right yeah. in a diagonal from yeah. upper left to lower right, which is a very simple and bold yeah. composition. It just makes me laugh as well. Yeah, but it's a straight line and it works so, cl so quickly. Oh, thank you. I love it. Yeah. So here you've got Peppy, the internet frog, and he's sitting in the climate crisis bowl, boiling with all his other animal friends. And he says, this is fine, like that other internet character that sits in the fire. Does he have a name? The dog. The, the dog, dog. yeah, the dog that sits in the fire and says, this is fine. Uh -huh. that's, a, that's, a, that's a koala. That's a koala you've got there. Yeah. Yes, a, a koala, a penguin, and a lobster. This is, what, 2000, I can't see it, 2000, but this is before the fires that they had in Australia that were so, so devastating to the koalas, to the wildlife. Here you have more frogs in a pot. Of course, when you cook a frog with the heat coming up slowly in a pot, they just stay in the pot and they cook like we all do with climate change. And they're all saying it's hot. And Representative Chris Stewart says, I want that one to testify at my climate change hearings. I assume this is a bad congressman you've got. Yeah, Chris Stewart is actually, he was my congressman until he retired. He retired because he said he had to take care of a sick wife. And then it turns out a couple of weeks ago, we find out that he's opening up a lobbying firm in Washington, D.C. They get a big paycheck from K Street when they quit. It's the thing but, to do. It's their retirement plan. But there's also this thing that the Republicans do where they get their experts testified before Congress, and they're always kooks. They're always frauds. But they say, no, these people are experts. Here's Peppy again. He's burning in the climate change pot, and he says, Hunter Biden's laptop. That is so true. The problem is that we draw them, and they don't get reprinted in newspapers that are all focused on the issue of the day because climate change is a constant issue. And as, as a Canadian who observes American politics in the most politest way, <laughs> I watched a recent town hall with all those Republicans up and not one question was raised. This was a CNN uh, town hall. There was not one question directed to them about climate change. I don't know, maybe that was the agreed upon thing with the Republican candidate. No talking about climate change. We must just talk about you know, Biden's laptop and that sort of thing. I think you've got Russia fueled by oil and you've got the Middle East burning and it's all fueled by oil. And it seems like oil is in the countries that are the worst problems in the world. And America producing more oil would just lower their income of all the places in the world that cause so much trouble right now. I think that's a good argument for uh, let's put it off until later and suffer a few more degrees. But there's always going to be something urgent. Russia's contribution is is greater than oil and gas you know what's not taken into the equation is the tundra the permafrost their permafrost russia's permafrost has been slowly but surely melting and warming and as it does that it releases mountable amounts of methane gases into the atmosphere and this is all, none of this is included in any climate equations at all so there there's you know, also canada's permafrost and alaska's not, permafrost yeah we don't talk about canada come on let's talk about russia they're permafrost that's right <laughs> No, but that's quite true, and it's very worrying, that one. Oh, absolutely. It's not just the permafrost, it's any kind of um, digging up of, of green space or green belt. You're going to get a massive release of methane into the atmosphere, and, and that's all chemistry, and it's beyond their heads. You know, It's just too complex for them to wrap their heads around. Fossil fuels are an easy target to go to, obviously, especially Russian. 
fossil fuels. Easy and legitimate as we're looking at wars all the time that are funded by the oil. But those are not the arguments that you hear the conservatives making, by and large. Right now, they're not even spending any time arguing this. They just talk about other subjects. Precisely. So, uh, Pat, you've got the homeless guy politicized silence as the, the homeless guy in, in Los Angeles, nobody paying attention to his crazy rantings. Well, I mean, this was during a heat wave in Los Angeles where it got up to 110. I think it was 2010 that I did this, or maybe 2000. But the right wing always brings out these people who deny the obvious. And so this homeless person is... <laughs> dressed in several layers of clothing and he's just denying obvious truth that it's really hot it is really hot okay here you've got exxon exxon climate scientists and uh, the exxon executive says we see your department going in a different direction with there's a trap door underneath them about to drop them down like the three stooges or something that's that's very funny so Exxon was studying climate change back in the 1970s. And the scientists actually said, this is going to be bad. And they could have done the right thing and alerted people to what was going on. Instead, they buried it. Here you've got the lemonade stand, kids selling lemonade, 25 cents. You've got the climate denial Kool-Aid stand with the elephant that... Republican that says, I drank it all because it's not hot out and I wasn't really thirsty. I guess <laughs> The right wing denying reality. They do. Here you have for a record heat with the what I assume is another elephant sticking his head in the ground like an Australian ostrich, and uh, he's not ostrich. seeing global warming. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it, being in Canada, those things work well because we have freezing cold temperatures here. And when you mention global warming in the depths of February, it's sort of like this thing. It's easy for the, the deniers to cling on and say, oh, global warming, and it's like minus, you know, 30 degrees Celsius outside. You know, back in the, back in the early part of this century, that was a good gag for me to use, but it, it kind of looks old nowadays when, you, when you're in the depths of winter and you're complaining about uh, or arguing that, that climate change is not real. Well, also, it's cold up there, so one might think that a couple of degrees of warming wouldn't bother you guys, but it seems to just set everything on fire. Well, exactly. It's just the extremes. Extremes are not good, and we're seeing a lot more here. So, so in July, I was in Milwaukee, and the air was just incredibly cloudy uh, because of the wildfires up in Canada. Yes, it was all Canada's fault. How many times I saw Lenny, lots of great gags about Canada causing, and I, I don't know why, because we always have fires up here. It's just, this was a phenomenon that I've never seen. I don't think anyone else has seen, you know, the orange sky over Manhattan, and it, it kept going through the whole summer. So there, there's an anomaly at, at play there. I don't think it was any worse than any other year when it came to forest fires in Canada. It was just the, the way the prevailing winds were going, and I think you could probably point that back to the long-term effects of climate change. Well, it lasted for months with uh, smoke over the United States. The smoke over the United States is what gets it into the media, and that seemed quite different to me. It was different, and again, immediately you had people coming out and saying that they were caused by eco-crazy people who are causing all these fires and setting them deliberately by uh, people who are trying to make a point that we got to do something about climate change because the world is burning and the forests in Canada are burning. But I think in some instances that was actually happening. There were some fires that were deliberately being set. You would have to have an orchestrated thing happening across the country for that. And I, I really highly doubt that was happening. But but nice try on the deniers playing the blame. So, Pat, you've got two woolly mammoths holding a sign saying global warming is a hoax as they're looking at the bleached bones of another woolly mammoth that has a sign that says global warming is a hoax and one says to the other one I could just see those climate alarmists spinning this. Getting back to fires in Canada, I think it was just a couple of years ago that in British Columbia there were entire cities that were destroyed by fires because it, again it got up to 110, 115 degrees. The other side of that is if you look at the news from Mecca in Saudi Arabia last week, in Saudi Arabia had these rainstorms and you see these cars being floated away in Mecca. Yeah because of all the water there. This is not normal. This doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you're not supposed to get thousand-year floods every single year. You get them every thousand years. We're seeing thousand-year floods all the time. We're seeing thousand-year heat waves all the time. This just isn't normal. Here's the earth looking at a dead bird in a bird cage, and it says, nudist item, one-third of the world's birds have disappeared. This is a fantastic 
fantastic thing that I noticed. There really are less birds outside and less insects. I remember as a kid, we would take a road trip and there would be a bunch of dead insects on the grill of the car or splattering on the windshield. That doesn't happen anymore. We don't get dead insects on the windshield or on the grill of the car. That's a, that's a fantastic change in the world that's just overlooked because people don't think about it. We would travel from Oceanside, California to Salt Lake City, you know, going through Las Vegas. And you know, every 100 miles or so, we'd have to stop at a gas station just to wipe all the insects off the car. And hmm. then you go down there and nothing. There's just nothing. That's a great cartoon, Pat. Um, the canary in the coal mine, dead in the cage. Yeah. Thank you. It looks a lot like a, a Herblock kind of cartoon because he used to do that with the, the eyes and the nose on the globe echoing that. Here you have the classic cartoon trope of uh, evolution. The fish comes out and walks and turns into the ape into man, and then man is crying for water in the southwest as we have a drought. You don't anymore, though, do you? Aren't your dams full? We had that atmospheric river, which is another crazy uh, climate change thing that filled up the dams. We had one good winter last year. We'll see how it goes this year. But I've been living in Salt Lake City for the past, almost 15 years. And I have seen places that were once mountain meadows turn into scrub oak. And that doesn't happen quickly. It happens over time. But again, that's just another sign of climate change. We also have far more fires than we used to, even when the dams are full. As you see here, Pat draws lots of uh, weather map cartoons, which I think are just great fun. Weather maps, weather maps are really pretty funny. And so here you've got the weather map with the warming oceans, the great garbage spot, the monster El Nino, the drought in California, and the poor guy in Utah who can't see anything because of the smoke from the northwest burning rainforest. This is a great cartoon. All in there. Yeah, it is. It all shows up on the weather map. So here we've got uh, oil and gas dinosaurs looking at the giant asteroid of solar coming down to crush coal, oil, and gas. And the gas has gas. I like that. Oh, I just, it does too. <laughs> I just noticed that. That's some bark jokes that just make it. <laughs> COP24. We get all these about the climate change conference from the UN called COP. And here they're passing the hot potato earth into the baby carriage because it's a problem for the next generation as they deal with the, the current hot potato. That's very nice. I think on the day that it's on the news, American readers would know what these conferences are, but the next day they've forgotten. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't even tell you what he means. I've forgotten. Climate, oh. something. Oh, he's... Um, it's Paris. It's, it's the Climate Change Agreement of Paris. UN. Oh, well, but it's a different one every year. Do they have yeah, another conference? Yeah, it's a Paris Agreement, isn't it? One of them was. All, but it's all based on that. The accord that they all signed up to. We have oh. moved on to Graham. Graham, this is a fun cartoon. I like this one. Yeah, uh, this here you've got uh, solar uh, facing off against petroleum and in a big tableau, face to face. This is this is a great cartoon. Yeah, it's just showing showing the battle. This was actually drawn for a uh, Middle Eastern based company that I do the occasional work for. So there's an essay that goes along with this, and it's just it's just sort of without any words really. It just sort of shows the face off between the good and the evil. I guess the where we are with fossil fuels on the right and where we're trying to head on the left to that utopia that is the gasless future that's going to energize us. But it's not, it's not, it's not really a, a utopia. No, no. It's the poorest country in Western Europe, Portugal, is 70% renewable. It's got dams, it's got solar, it's got the wind. So if the poorest country in Europe, well, in Western Europe, can do this, we could do it if we chose to, but it's a policy mm. decision. We choose not to do this. But you, you have a hybrid kind of system. I was in California and I saw plenty of solar farms that were all over the place. Over on this side, we have a lot of uh, wind farms. And that in itself caused a lot of grievance for people because it chops up a lot of birds and other animals are affected by these things. So it's, you know, it's, you have to somehow fuel humanity. And unfortunately, it's kind of a better approach than, I guess, spewing carbon into the atmosphere. So we're getting there. We're, we're learning. Yeah, unfortunately, gas is seen as the transition 
power, isn't it? And it's probably one of the worst. Here you have COP27. Again, COP that we forget what it stands for. but which it's, uh, is, it's in the COP. news one day when they come out with a statement. It has people talking about climate change on that one day. And so here you've taken the letters of COP and, and, and demonstrated all these bad things, the money well, I, for the big companies. and the That was uh, here. And I think that because it was a, there was a noticeable difference from previous COPs that there was a huge representation of the oil companies that were at this and they're almost outnumbering the you know the activists the scientists who are there to you know promote their whatever they're doing uh the greenwashing or whatever they're doing in their, their respective companies they're just mugging and smiling putting on a show and not doing much of anything as they greenwash over the issue great growing it's a conference uh, here, of parties. Here, parties. it looks like COP26 was in Glasgow this year on, yeah. on your COP drawing of the year cartoon. Yeah. And all the guys are having a party and they're thinking about the clocks that expire for them. My elected set term of office, my peak earnings for eco book, the deadline to apply for more subsidies, all of these things that for them are uh, going to run out and they don't have to really do anything because they're out the door. I thought that was very nice. Thank you. And time is running out. Time is running out, but we you can't deal with long-term issues because everybody is short-term. Well, we're having the next COP is coming up next week, apparently, in Dubai. So get your pencils ready for that. You'll get your one annual treat next week. This is like the Earth Day cartoon. Um, yeah. Earth Day and COP. Twice a year you get a cartoon. Yeah. Um, I ask you guys to this podcast because you draw more climate change cartoons than once a year. And you're all very good on that. And I like that. It's good Thanks. to see. We'll see if we can get anybody to watch this podcast that doesn't <laughs> have Trump. Okay. So here you've got the big pie with the Liberals Act on Climate Change. And they are cutting it up so that it doesn't quite say that. And is that Justin? Trudeau saying, Garçon, some more carve-outs to come. And then some guy that nobody would know who has the name Guilbo. Guilbo. Uh, What is it? Guilbo? Guilbo is his last name. Um, Okay, who is this guy? Stephen Guilbo is the environment minister, the federal environment minister. He actually used to be a climate activist, and he'd be the guy that'd be scaling up parliament buildings and things like that. And he actually ran for the Liberals in a recent election and was appointed as the environment minister. And he's like the he's the one kind of champion about the carbon taxes that we've had and the carvet. Not not to get too deep into the weeds of boring Canadian politics, but Trudeau has been the big champion of putting a price on carbon, and we've been dealing with this for a few years and now with the cost of living crisis that we're all dealing with he actually bent and said we're going to take off the the carbon tax on home heating on oil but it just so happens that most of the people who use oil as a home heating source is in the maritimes where many of the votes for the liberal party come from so the rest of the people uh, west of New Brunswick heat their houses with natural gas mostly. And so all these people who vote conservative were shut out. So it was this kind of like kind of political opportunist thing that he's done to basically destroy the signature piece of, of what the liberals represent in fighting climate change. So it's it's really causing trouble for him now. And now people are demanding that, oh, well, the farmers need to get like a, something chopped off their carbon tax and the poor people in the West need some kind of thing. So what are you going to do, Justin? And it's really it's really turned the whole price on carbon in this country upside down. And we're at a crossroad right now. And we've got a conservative guy, Pierre Polyev, who's on the edge and he's about to take over. And he's just like the Republicans. He has no policy policy really towards uh, fighting climate change whatsoever. So the clock is about to be turned back in, in Canada, and it's kind of a sad time for people who are really thinking that the time was, was is long past you something about fighting climate change. Very good. So here you've got a multi-panel cartoon. You've got the dumb everyman who says, science doesn't tell me what to do. He's holding a COVID hoax sign. And uh, the COVID person comes in with a lotto ticket and a needle to vaccinate him. And he says, he gets his lotto ticket and his vaccination. And then he goes to the next spot where the climate change person is also offering a lotto ticket. Do they give lotto tickets to people who got vaccinations in Canada? Yes. I think in some of the Western provinces, Alberta was one where they tried to entice and they did. There was like a lottery 
and, and these, these sort of types would actually get vaccinated and it actually worked and they were able to increase the numbers and other provinces got on board with this. Of course, it caused headaches for other governments said we were not going to do this. It's crazy. But it's funny in that the whole COVID pandemic and climate change has paralleled where you have these deniers, you have the hoaxers. It tends to come from the right. And, you know, we also had that horrible convoy, freedom convoy thing that happened. Yeah, uh, thanks, Graham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they wanted to catch on the US, it never did get very far. But the, the parallels there are very deep with um, the, the hoaxers on the COVID side and, and the climate change people. And uh, that was interesting. There is a kind of a checklist of uh, conspiracies and hoaxes that the right wing tends to all agree. Well, the talking points, though, are on both sides of the spectrum, really. You're hearing parroting on both sides. I've tuned into some of your podcasts, Daryl, and I've seen some of our fellow colleagues parrot what you would hear on on Fox or in Breitbart. They use these terms that no one else uses and refer to like George Soros, whatever is, is being said on, on TV and where they're getting their sources of information, you know? But this part, the, the one common denominator, and this is just a mistrust for, for science, which is largely on the on the right of, of the spectrum. So I, I spoke to uh, the Chamber of Commerce in Salt Lake City a few years ago, and I took questions after I gave my presentation. And I got this one question, and I couldn't quite understand what he was talking about, but he, he was basically asking, <laughs> where do I get my talking points from? Like he expected us to all get the same memo and all to be on the same page, because that made sense to him. Mm. I think that is one area where cartoonists can be a little proud, because I don't know anybody that gets talking points. They're pushed into following the checklist just by watching the media and living in their media bubble. I think that cartoonists are much better pundits. One thing I want to prove on this podcast is that editorial cartoonists are better talking heads than columnists. And, you know, when car cartoonists go on TV, we get the, how do you draw like that? Where do you get your ideas questions? They, columnists go on TV. Nobody asks them, where do you get your ideas and how'd you learn to type like that? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, because there's some kind of presumption that columnists have this vast pool of knowledge and are respected experts. What they don't know, since they don't know about syndication, is that almost all of those columnists only have three or four newspapers subscribing to them. And being a syndicated columnist doesn't mean a whole lot. But no, syndicated columnists are these experts. And editorial cartoonists, who are actually brighter and wittier and have to have the same vast body of knowledge and don't have talking points, are passed by because they just don't understand cartoons like they understand words. And so that makes me mad, and that's my rant. Well, and it doesn't help that you go on social media and you have people all over thinking or, or acting like they're experts. You know, last week they're an expert on, on I, I don't know, on the on Middle COVID. East. And then this week they're, right. yeah, on COVID. And then, then this yeah. week they're an expert on the Middle East. Like, where's your diploma on the wall that says that? I think for cartoonists, we're just like average folk that just have the talent to synthesize what we're reading in the news and come up with kind of witty summations of, of what's going on. Well, you know, we get the news from both sides of the spectrum, and both sides of the spectrum have that checklist where they agree on all the topics. Cartoonists aren't like that. We're normal people, and we're going to agree on some of the topics and not on some of the other topics. We're not beholden to that list, and that just doesn't conform. And Damn. perhaps that's, a, that's another reason why we're not as accepted in that world. All right, here you've got a Trump cartoon. Not Perhaps not enough Trump cartoons to get people to watch this podcast, but we will see. And here he's burning up the Paris Climate Change Agreement and America First Smoke is covering the globe. It says, planet last. America First, planet last. So what I, as a another Canadian who kind of casually goes into American politics, what I got from this was that, yeah, he took America out, but it took, what, three years to actually pull out and then America was out of it for like a few months and then Biden came in and then you're back in the Paris right. Agreement. So what good was that really? I mean, it, it just proved his talking his talking point. Oh, we're going to get out of this arrangement come hell or high water and they did but it only lasted for a few months so it was really a symbolic gesture quite frankly. But this is also a problem for America because Biden might be doing some of the right things now but our allies are wondering what if Trump gets back in 
know, mm-hmm. what are our promises worth if they can be overturned in the next election? That's that's in political terms. That's really bad. Yeah. Here's another Trump. He says we're going to build a wall, but what he builds is a wall of coal-burning smokestacks that engulf Canada in smoke, and <laughs> Canadians are paying for Trump's coal. I typically think of Canada engulfing America in smoke. No, that's, that's of course what we've been used to in the last year. But this, I think, was just after he was elected president. So we're talking what 2016. 2017. Yeah, that was his big promise. We're going to bring coal back to West Virginia and Kentucky and all these states that that relied on it as you know part of their economy. But in actual fact, I understand coal has been receding quite immensely in the United States since Trump became president. So his dream was never realized. I think more and more they're getting off of coal. As far as I know, I know in Canada, in Ontario, we're we're totally without coal-fired power plants now, and I, I think that's the direction that the U.S. is going. So I think Trump will say something, but in actuality, things are progressing well. Progressing well here, although they're adding coal like crazy in China and in India and across the world, it's not improving. No, and and that's. That's the thing. It's a, it's a cheap way of producing electricity, and that's the way a lot of these poor countries, that's the way they can only go. Because well, indeed, yeah. <laughs> They're still building coal plants, though. So. Yeah, um, they are. Exactly. So here, Graham, you've got, we demand action on climate change, which means we recycle. I, I can't do green bins. We eat less meat. I'm allergic to non-meat products. We use LED and CFL light bulbs. Not me. I hate them. We carpool and take public transport. Not convenient for me. Everyone will pay higher carbon taxes. Can we opt out? That was a good Canadian accent you put on there, Daryl. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Very impressive. <laughs> and they're all on. And they're all on uh, disembodied heads on the green background. Yes. Yes. Well, you try drawing all those bodies. It's not an easy feat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think I didn't do copy-paste on that? I mean, come on. Very uh, good. Yeah, I'm not going to go into secrets of what we all do. You know, it's interesting. I get a lot of mail from people that suggest cartoon ideas to me. And they're all kind of of the nature of, Daryl, you should draw this army on the left side of the cartoon coming in, facing off against this other army, and the sky is filled with helicopters, and there's this politician and that politician, and they're down here, and they're saying this and that. And it's like they have no idea how lazy we are. <laughs> No, it's, it's all like these complex ideas and it takes them five minutes to spit it out. And then, but you know what? You draw that. You find an iPad and draw that with Procreate. You, know, try yeah, you, to get, that you get the same emails, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So here you've got the crowd of people. You do draw crowds of people. And they're the Vox Populi. Then three minutes ago, they're saying, stop the rising levels of greenhouse gas action now. And now they've crossed that out. They want to stop the rising cost of gas because the rising cost of gas is what bothers them this minute. Well, this is the key thing from both those cartoons that this is an issue. Climate change is something that you can't regulate from just the government to curtail your activity you have to you have to participate you have to do the right thing and do what you can for climate change which might mean driving less or planting a tree or doing something but when push comes to shove people are are going to blame government and they're going to be pissed off because of taxes or whatever like that but well, but when you're asked to do something to contribute to fixing the situation, then they're going to put up a fuss. And that's what I'm showing these two cartoons. Here you've got the progressively bigger waves about to crash into the little city, which says, be sure to wash your hands and all will be well. COVID recession, climate change, and biodiversity collapse. Yeah, this is um, a viral cartoon. This, this went all over the world. It continues to go all over the world. And it all started, actually, it originated, the first two waves there, COVID-19 and recession were the original cartoon that happened the day after the pandemic was declared by the WHO. And then all, all of a sudden, a few weeks later, I started seeing people adding their own waves. Like a crudely drawn climate change showed up and I, I started seeing it on my Twitter feed. And I thought, well, someone's kind of like hijacking my cartoon and turning into a meme. So I, I drew it with the three waves. And all of a sudden, I saw the bio, biodiversity collapse the wave show up a few weeks after that. So I re possessed my cartoon and this is what the, the final version is although now i'm seeing other renditions coming out where world war three is is behind by biodiversity cost, which makes no sense because once biodiversity collapses, well 
the human race is supposed to fly. Yeah, that's it. it. So there's no there's no fifth wave here. Um, there's an alien invasion, I think. An alien invasion would work. Perhaps you can bring in some of your interpretations and add your allow you to do that. That you're authorized to do. It. Very good. Here you've got the UN panel on climate change, and the world is flooding and burning, and COVID is around them, and things are unfortunately likely to get worse than they are at this very moment. It's kind of like what Pat said in his brilliant map cartoon with all the things happening it is here the big bank says the octopus which is a wonderful historic meme for editorial cartoonists octopus cartoons mm -hmm. and he's saying we're doing our part for a green future as he is looking on one side like he's green but on the other side you see that he's really dirty and oily and fossil yeah. fuel investmenty very, very nice. And it's, of course, is not confined just to us in Canada. I'm sure, you know, they've got this going in New Zealand and Utah and California. So Yeah, Australia. They yeah. do. Here you've got the atmospheric river. This could be a California cartoon. Extreme rainfalls like the kind that flooded BC result from a warming planet that creates atmospheric rivers. Oh, think of the possibilities for the green economy. Atmospheric rivers is one of these dooms, you know, calamitous kind of terms that have only cropped up in the last couple of years. But it's, it's a wonderful way. Way to just describe what was earlier said about what's what happened in Saudi Arabia with their flood or what's happening on the west coast what was happening in, in Europe these are atmospheric rivers I think there was a new term that came out in the summer called climate boiling to describe just the heat and how it's, it's raised the temperature of water it's a wonderful thing of, of how people are being educated using these dire kind of terms to describe what, what's actually happening to our planet. This is a cute cartoon for the hottest month in history in July of this year. People sitting in the slowly boiling pot burning up, which slowly boiling pot seems to be the image for all of this. Lovely cartoon. But again, that's global boiling, the term that happened in the summer of 2020. I'd never heard that term before, so I thought I, it might show up. It'll probably show up next year and the following year. So let's let's get it on the uh, the record. Very good. And here you've got uh, Two-Faced Justin. Yeah, and he's going back. He's reverting back to this because um, he's got an election coming up. And for the longest time, he's been sitting on the fence and he's been coddling at both sides. I think this is a dilemma that all politicians really have to deal with, whether you're, you're in Canada or elsewhere. We're going through that transformation period between fossil fuels and the uh, unicorns and rainbows side where it's, um, we're off fossil fuels. And it's, it's wonderful time to be a cartoonist to draw the hypocrisy of it all with our respective leaders in figuring this whole thing out. I hear you have Biden and Justin Trudeau about to do the high jump. This is a funny way of depicting Biden because he seems to struggle just to walk. But he's in an evil Knievel kind of outfit. I had to look up evil Knievel, what he wore back in the 60s when he was doing his motorcycle jumps. But um, uh -huh. that was the inspiration there. And it's during the time work. But the thing is, um, Justin Trudeau can speak a big game about climate change, but our emissions have been increasing ever since we signed on to the Paris Agreement. And as much as he can talk about it, the efforts that are being done are clearly not enough. It's just getting worse and worse. Biden came along with the Green Leap, as far as I remember. I haven't heard much about it since, but you had the, the squad. Oh, this was a thing? The Green Leap? I don't remember Green Leap. Was the Green Leap not happening? You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was all all about it. They were going on about this and, and trying to provoke Biden to get on, on side. And I think he's, he's brought in some measures that have appeased them. And meanwhile, in, in Canada, we've just kind of dawdled away and, and not been able to keep up with the ambitious targets that Biden has, has brought to the U.S. So here's another one with some crazy people that who knows who they are, Doug Ford and Jason Kenney. Let's get the message out. No carbon tax. This cartoon is just a great looking cartoon. It's got a kind of a vintage feel to the design, the no carbon tax uh, factory spewing out smoke. It's fun to look at, even if you don't know who the heck these people are. You don't need to know. You, We all have these characters in our respective countries. They're the conservatives that don't want to have carbon taxes. 
And here they are just burning taxpayer money in their fight against taxes. And, you know, usually in the courts, they use taxpayer money to challenge federal laws or provincial laws or whatever by um, spending millions of dollars challenging. And then they go nowhere. And then the Supreme Court rules, no, the feder- you're, you're going to federal jurisdiction and they're allowed to impose a carbon tax. You know, it's just that fight between conservatives and liberals on putting a price on carbon. And it can be anywhere in the world. It's happening all over the place. Well, what a great looking cartoon. And uh, here you've got Biden and Justin again with monkeys on their back, fracking and Jason Kenney. Who the heck knows who Jason Kenney is? Well, Jason Kenney is the former premier of Alberta. He's a conservative. He was in the Stephen Harper cabinet when Harper was the prime minister, which was before Justin Trudeau. They're Again, they're not very big on carbon taxes or anything like that. So, yeah, he's, he's the monkey on the back, such as fracking is for, for Biden, as far as I know in the U.S. So it's just sort of a compare and contrast the monkeys that um, each one of these liberal leaders have, ha- has to deal with on a daily basis. And now the person who's replaced Justin, uh, uh, Jason Kenney is similar in her. Actually, she's actually further a, a denier of climate change. So You have a very nice-looking drawing of Canada all on fire and burned up. People saying arson is starting it, climate hoax, wildfires are normal. It goes back just to the armchair critics out there on, on social media who <clears throat> instantly see some kind of calamity happening in the world and they go come up with their conspiracies or their explanations as to what, what's, um, what's happening. And it's usually driven by whatever talking points is, is, is being spoken on their favorite cable shows. So we're moving on to Rod. Rod, two big dinosaurs arguing at each other with climate change asteroids coming down onto the Earth. And one says, more roads. The other one says, light rail. It's a great analogy. This one has been used a thousand times over, but it, it never fails to get the message across. We've just been through an election cycle here, and this represents both sides of the political spectrum, which just frightened the daylights out of me because no one was talking about climate change. They were talking about more roads. They were talking about light rail. That just the menial things that always come up on the election cycle. And yet the, the real... Uh, the real danger and the real, real elephant in the room, I've got to say, was climate change because we were experiencing it all this year, you know, with this extreme weather events that we were having. So, yeah, I quite liked that one and went, went over quite well here. Well, unless you have something happening like the Earth Day or the COP Report Day, your climate change everyday cartoons just aren't getting reprinted. Perhaps you don't have that trouble in New Zealand since you're in the big paper for all of New Zealand. Yes. But, well, uh, you know, for us, part of drawing a cartoon is to get it to rise above the short-term thinking of the editors. And it's a challenge to get these cartoons reprinted. Yeah, I think climate change is very much on everybody's minds here, especially the extreme weather events that we've had this year, everybody. And, and it's been quite devastating. Everybody's attuned to it now, except the politicians. Oh, yeah. Okay, here you've got penguins on an iceberg and the lady with her grocery shopping cart on an iceberg. And one penguin says, Personally, I'd say the cost of living is the least of your worries, but what would I know? I deliberately put this snarly look on the face of the penguin and put them on a heavily melted floating piece of ice. You know, the Christchurch on our South Island is uh, the jumping point to Antarctica. That's where the big bases depart from. And so we've got a strong link to the South Pole, well, the bases on the South Pole. All this is happening. All the news that's coming back from our scientists is very, very worrying. Of course, there are also the the day-to-day issues like the cost of living and all of this, mind you, is a byproduct of COVID and lockdown. What I was talking about before, gridflation, where people are now seeing a head of cabbage, you know, being... Ten bucks. <laughs> Cauliflower. Ten dollars. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing you used to run over with the lawnmower. Yeah. Well, how much is a New Zealand dollar worth in uh, U.S. dollars? In U.S. dollars, probably about 60 cents. Oh, well, those are cheap prices. <laughs> <laughs> 
Great point. Here you've got 2001 Space Odyssey cartoon. Well, I, I sat and watched this, but I remember seeing this at the cinema and just being completely awestruck by the by the way this was presented, this particular scene, and uh, where the monkey throws a bone in the air and it turns into a spaceship. I'll, I'll never, ever forget that. Well, I thought just thought it was brilliant. So I watched that scene where the this... Uh, uh, Obelisk just appears out of nowhere. So you know we were surrounded by skeptics, and um, and and continue to to this day, of course. But it's the science that was just baffling to everybody. They couldn't get their head around it. So this is a illustration of your storms with the floods Ooh. and a giant drain. The stormwater yeah. infrastructure required for climate change. Just nowhere to put that water. Yeah. Well, this goes back to my days um, before cartooning where I used to be a design draftsman in municipal engineering. So I used to design roads, water and sewerage. And you know from the experience of that in designing stormwater drainage, what's required to get the rainfall away in a in a peak storm. And it's like a one in a hundred year event. And after the experiences of this year here in New Zealand, and this particular area is deliberately Hawke's Bay, which is a quite a famous wine area here in New Zealand on the East Coast. Um, they, were ju- they were just swamped. And this is a um, byproduct of forestry, the, um, the, for- the slash from forestry washed into the streams. It took out infrastructure, washed out onto the beaches, and then and would run 20 to 30 kilometres up and down various beaches. It's just wall-to-wall forestry slash. The water, what because of all that, the uh, the silt that came with it uh, took out homes, uh, buried homes, buried cars. Yeah. It was just frightening. The whole thing was frightening. And you, you wouldn't have enough infrastructure in the world to be able to take this away in a, um, you know, for stormwater. So I, I sort of applied my uh, former life as a design draftsman and stuck that in the middle of a cartoon. And I think it worked rather well. Very good. Uh, here you have the EVs running up against the dairy beef sheep industry. Wow. And they're saying, what's the rush? How is it that EVs are running up against this industry? Is this a cow flatulent a cow, a cow fart tax, yes. Well, you have to put it in perspective. New Zealand has a population of just over 5 million, right, which is probably a, a Los Angeles suburb. So it's quite a small country. And our one of our biggest industries, of course, is uh, dairy and the beef and sheep industry. And unfortunately, these it's those industries that contribute the most to the methane gases and everything that we're trying to stop and they're also our, the loudest voices uh, trying to shut down any laws. Uh, and in this case, it's New Zealand came up with a, a net zero by 2050. And the screaming from this quarter um, was just phenomenal. And of course, at that time, the government introduced an incentive to buy EV vehicles. The New Zealand government actually declared, uh, officially declared a climate emergency. The Adern government did and introduced a rebate if you bought an electric vehicle or a hybrid. And, you know, like between five to $8,000. And of course, there was a huge rush onto these vehicles. But the screaming came from the dairy industry, of course. So and are they be- just uh, screaming against uh, anything that is global warming helpful, even if it's not directly affecting them? The vast majority, uh, yes. That They haven't moved technology towards offsetting their contribution to the methane gas problem that we've got here in New Zealand. And I'll never understand why they, they won't move forward. The science is there. There's a big push to get dairy out of our rivers and streams, for heaven's sake, because that's, that's another area where there's a massive amount of pollution. Um, you'll probably see this come up in a couple of more cartoons but they're a very vocal group quite it's quite sad you know frankly i don't think of new zealand as a place for pollution i think of it as the place where you have the hobbit and beautiful <laughs> mountain and everything is not overpopulated it's green and it's lovely and it's just odd that this would be pretty well every river and stream that runs from runs down from the mountains and we have some spectacular mountain ranges here the southern alps in particular virtually every single river and stream will run through 
or past a farm of some sort. And those farms will be mostly either dairy, beef, sheep or pig or the pig industry. And um, the, the testing of the waterways, let's forget about the gases, the testing of the waterways has proved that um, they're contributing to the decline in our rivers and streams. They used to say that it was 100% New Zealand, you know, 100% clean. They'd be lucky if it's 30% clean. Okay, so I used to do cartoons for the Dairyman magazine in the United States. And I sent one of my cartoons in the Dairyman magazine. And I got a call from the editor. And he goes, how many teeth does a cow have? <laughs> <laughs> there are four. You've got to put her on. Four? Yeah. Goose is four. I thought there six or eight. Is it like a spider? Like, that sounds uh, just wrong. <laughs> Rod obviously knows. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've seen enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here you have the military helmet with Born to Save the Planet on it and marine permaculture, seaweed, yeah. and eat it, and climate emergency. It's uh, yeah. it's uh, anti-war uh, as... Uh, uh, anti-global war, and I mean, uh, that's a good-looking cartoon. It's a, it's a play on the Full Metal Jacket poster. Yeah. But this came out, well, actually, this illustration accompanied a story by one of our lead writers on um, Adern's declaration of a climate emergency and why we need to do it and what, what does New Zealand need to do to offset the problems that we're experiencing here and to make our contribution to the world. And they ran this illustration large in the Weekend Herald. It was very popular, I have to say. Used for passed around a lot on social media. Mm-hmm. It's iconic. Beautiful drawing. It is. But that, that's yeah. one of the arguments that a lot of the people say is, why are we bothering with carbon taxes and everything when you have all these other countries that don't do enough? They don't care. But there's a responsibility with everyone who signed that Paris Agreement, you know, to act like responsible yeah. and to do what you can for the planet. You might have these laggards in the world like China and, and India, but don't look at them and don't give up just because they're not doing anything. You have a responsibility in this planet as a participant of this planet to do something. Yeah. Well, when Adern declared that climate emergency, you know, it was just a very serious statement. And here at home, we decided that if every person did one thing, then that would make an immediate change. If every single one of us just did one single thing. So what we decided we would do, our part, we had we used to have two cars, but we lived 10 minutes from the centre of the city. So we got rid of both cars because they sat there like letterboxes for most of the week. And then on the weekend, we would just use one of the two cars. So we got rid of both cars and we catch the bus 10 minutes into the city. To replace those cars, we shopped around, we were looking at buying an EV. Well, EVs don't like sitting there for five or six days on end not being used. They need mm. to be used. So we ended up by having to go and buy them. We, we bought a, a VW Tiguan SUV, that, but it had a, a motor like the size of a lawnmower, 1.5 litre. Um, very small motor, fantastic car, and it does. It likes sitting there all week. You know, don't use it for seven days, get in and start straight away. But see, the, now there's the, the problem. The FEVs don't like sitting there. I mean, we could, we could have had a, an electric vehicle sitting out here, but we had to end up by buying a petrol car. At least the fuel is highly refined. What do we use? 28, 82, I should say. Okay. This is a great looking cartoon you got. Putin in the middle of all the devastation and he says, and you thought climate change was the number one threat facing civilization. What about a bruised ego? And and this is the thing, isn't it? You know, we have these despot regimes around the world that couldn't care less about climate change, but more about their own egos. And, and he is, uh, you know, arguably the big problem that's happening now. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, Good right, looking right. drawing. Yeah. Look at that. That's very nice. That's very funny. You do a great... I like the pointy ears. He's evil. Absolutely he, evil. He is an evil bastard. Who is this guy on the on the Nirvana record album cover? Yeah. Well, haven't we drawn this a hundred times, this, this particular cover? iconic piece of work this is a former government environment minister who was who declared that the uh, new zealand rivers and streams were swimmable 
<laughs> when okay. they absolutely would. This I put a, I put a, I put a few of your cartoons together that had New Zealand characters in them that we don't know who the hell they are. So uh, who's this guy? This guy is Scott Morrison, the former Prime Minister of Australia. This is when the Australia had those horrific bushfires. Morrison himself was a. a a right-wing Pentecostal follower and, in fact, surrounded his cabinet with some very interesting characters from the church. And his take on the fire was just frightening. A complete ignoramus, this chap. No wonder they lost. Okay. Here you have another character who knows who he is saying New Zealand would like to make a memorable contribution to the global discussion on greenhouse gases as he is uh, farting on, on a polar bear. Yes, our former Prime Minister, John Key, who was a money trader and of previous life, went to the, the Paris conference and our contribution was terrible. So I thought, <laughs> what better way to show it <laughs> than, than to do exactly that? Well, Move it on to funny. the next one. Okay, this so here you have Liberty leading the people and it's Ahern and there's uh, Trump behind her and she's saying, okay, boomer to Trump. It's right up to this is Adern when she. You've got a wonderful little Greta Thunberg. Thunberg. This yeah. is when Adern declared the uh, climate emergency. And America pulled out. Winners and grinners. You've got a polar bear holding up the arms of who knows who these guys are. That's. Uh, no, I can't remember their names. But it's somehow reassuring 20, that you also don't know yeah. who they are. Well, it's 20, <laughs> 2015, Daryl. Okay, very good. Well, that is your last cartoon, Rod, and we are just uh, all done. All right. So okay. thank you, gentlemen. You have any last things you'd like to add? It's been a blast. Thanks for having us. Uh, okay. Well, thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for drawing climate change cartoons when nobody seems to care, because that's just what we should be doing. And uh, maybe we'll get somebody to care. And thank you so much. Good to see you guys. Nice yes, to you too, mate. Okay, well, thank you for watching the Kegelcast. Remember to subscribe to the Kegelcast wherever you're watching this podcast. We really appreciate it. And we will see you soon with the next Kegelcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. See y'all. <laughs> All right. Draw. <laughs> <laughs>